This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's take our Bibles this evening and turn to the book of Philippians chapter number four. And uh, we are thankful for God's goodness to us and his provision. And uh, as Brother Brian told you, school is, is preparing to get underway. And of course, it's a day-to-day thing. Everything today is a day-to-day thing, isn't it? And uh, that reminds us of our dependence upon the Lord, doesn't it? And um, whether we recognize it or not, every day, every day that we have lived, every day that we will live, as God allows us to live, until he takes us home, we're living in full dependence upon the Lord. But we have been in recent days broader to brought we've been brought to a greater awareness of that. Because when you can't see the path in front of you, when you, when you don't know exactly what step to take, uh, then you recognize that you need light and you need God's direction. And uh, as David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm glad that he's promised to lead us, aren't you? Never to leave us, nor to forsake us. And the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that we are to ponder the path of our feet. And uh, we need, of course, to even more so diligently in this day, ponder the path of our feet. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall do what church he shall direct your paths and so we're trusting in the lord to direct our paths and we're not always certain from day to day what path we'll be walking but we know that god is leading and he is directing and would you ever want to be and i know the answer but i want you to think about it would you ever want to be in a place that God hasn't led you to. And so wherever he leads us, though we may not know from day to day where that will be, we know who is with us, and we know that once we have arrived where he wants us to be, then that is exactly where we need to be. And we trust the Lord there. A lot is going on, of course, in our ministry right now, and I I do want to encourage you to pray for our teachers and, and all of our staff and a number of new folks that have come to be with us. And we're grateful that each and every one of them are here. I'm going to have an opportunity to meet with all of them tomorrow. Um, And I'm looking forward to that. Um, And and again, God has has provided and and answered prayer, and and we're so thankful for that. Um, But as we prepare for uh, school, as I mentioned to you, there are some adjustments and some different uses of rooms. For example, our cafeteria, our fellowship hall, lunchroom, whatever name you want to give it, is now uh, going to be used for our preschool. And so we'll, each day that classroom or that cafeteria
cafeteria will be divided into and filled with three-year-olds and four-year-olds. Then all of our rooms downstairs will be used for our elementary. And uh, we've had to take, there were four rooms on the inside of that hallway downstairs after we did the remodel, what, about 11 years ago now. It's hard to believe that's been that long ago, isn't it? And uh, now we've had to take uh, four rooms and cut it to three. And we've moved a couple walls and we've made larger rooms to try to keep distance and 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 we have larger classrooms. All of our elementary classes are in the uh, 20s. And so um, you pray for our teachers, right? And uh, we've had to split first grade this year. And so um, that's that's something we haven't really had to discuss before. And God God is blessed, and, and we thank him for it. And so um, we'll have to get used to some things that we haven't been used to. And, of course, that affects the Sunday school and, and where everybody goes to some degree. And, and then, uh, God willing, uh, we'll have the... The restrooms finished here in this building, the offices and the nursery, and we can move our nursery back into the nursery area, and that will be a blessing. And uh, when, when the preschool construction is completed, and we hope that's completed by January, then, um, and, and maybe earlier, who knows, um, then what we'll be able to do is move those twos, or excuse me, the threes and fours into that building, and then we'll begin to open our daycare uh, to children uh, younger than that and to families. So a lot of opportunities that God has given us, but right now there's a lot of transition. And uh, a lot of transition in the midst of a time when in our world there's a lot of transition. And so it's not really good for your nerves sometimes if you think about it, right? And uh, we, we know we're living in a world that is very troubled and uh, very, very difficult. And I think about Jesus and the disciples out on the boat, out on the ship, and the storm arose. He'd already said to them, let us go into the other side. They had that word. They had that promise. They had that assurance that they were going to the other side. By the way, they were with Jesus. So they had not only his promise, but they had his presence with them, right? And I want to tell you that he is with us. He is with us. And there was one thing you could have counted on that night. His promises wouldn't fail. And with Jesus on board the boat, the boat wasn't going down. Because he wasn't going down. And, and so we live in a world today that is just crashing and howling the waves of, of circumstance all about us. And it seems like everything is raging and out of control and the, the waves are billowing over our heads and the winds are howling. And a lot of vessels are being broken and a lot of lives are being lost at sea, sinking down into the depths of despair but those of us who know the Lord, we're not sinking down. We're going through this troubled sea. And we come this evening to Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 6. The Bible should be careful for nothing. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, uh, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so we come to these verses, and the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Do you know that it is not God's will that you and I uh, be in a constant state of turmoil? God has come, and he has brought to us the terms of peace. You know, the Bible teaches that in our natural condition, in our lost condition, uh, we are in our flesh enmity against God. We have declared in our rebellion and in our sinfulness war against God. And there is nothing in us. The Bible says there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh good. There's none who are going after God. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We all have a sin nature. And we are all in our rebellion like Adam and Eve are not running to God, but we are running from the presence of God. We are not seeking God to obey his law. We are seeking a way around his law. That's who we are in our natural condition. But when the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came as the representative, as the Son of God. He came as a representative. He is coming to extend to us mercy and grace. As Job said, oh, that there was a daysman who would, who would bring us together. Oh, that there was a, a mediator. That's what a daysman is. And a daysman is one who can touch two disagreeing parties. Only the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who became man, could touch both parties and bring us together and offer to us the terms of peace. As Paul said, he has reconciled us unto God. And so the Lord Jesus Christ has given and provided to us peace. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And Jesus said to his disciples in John 14 and verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So I want to speak to you uh, this evening on the pathway of peace the pathway of peace. And you cannot get on the pathway unless you have come into the fold, unless you have come through the door, and Jesus is the door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the author of peace. He is the provision of peace. And so there will be no peace unless we know him. But here's what we do know. If we know him, 
It is not God's intention. It is not God's will. It is not God's plan that you and I uh, would, would our, our, our nerves would be in a fit and uh, we would wring our, our fists and chew off our fingernails. I've never had that habit, thankfully, but I know some people who do. And it, it's, not, it's not God's intention for us. God has come to give us peace and to lead us into a life of peace. Be careful for nothing, he says. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So how do we, how do we get on this path? How do we stay on this path? Well, the first step is prayer. Prayer. If I want peace in a troubled world, then I have to learn to pray. And by the way, there's something in our nature that when things are going okay and we don't have too many problems, we have a tendency to drift, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That's in our nature. And things are going right, everything's going well. <laughs> the psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Trouble comes into our lives often, and it points us to the Lord. It brings us to our knees. And that is where God intends for us to stay. You see, we don't necessarily, though we have peace, we do not have the absence of trouble. But what we find is that we can have peace in the midst of the trouble. Now, Paul here is, is dealing with this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. And so he says, be careful for nothing. The word careful speaks of worry. It speaks of anxiety and anxiousness. And no doubt that anxiety is a problem that many, many people deal with. In fact, I think all of us deal with it on different levels. Some have a great difficulty with anxiety. There's a fear there. There's a, there's a concern there. there. There are worries there. What's going to happen? And if we've ever seen a time in our world where people are filled with care and anxiety, it's today, isn't it? What's going to happen? Let's make a plan. Well, wait a minute. Now our plan's been changed. Our governor has made this mandate, and the news media has reported this, and the health experts are saying this. But tomorrow they're saying something totally different. And so how do you make sense of it all? How do you plan? How do you live your life? Will this ever end, right? How is this going to impact me financially? How is this going to impact my children? How is this going to impact my health? That's always looming over us because I could catch coronavirus and it could destroy my health or even worse. You see, these are the concerns, these are the burdens that the people in our world are dealing with. And the panic and the hysteria is, is unprecedented. Now, the threat, I understand, is a real threat, right? But how do we respond to it as believers? Well, he says, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What does prayer do? Prayer brings us into the presence of God. Now, he is always with us. But when I am praying, I am consciously choosing to come into the presence of God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is, high, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore... Because he's our high priest, because he is touched with the feeling of my infirmities, my weaknesses, my fears, my troubles, my anxieties, my propensity to sin, my habits, he is touched with the feeling of my infirmities, my inability to communicate to him, as we talked about last week from Romans chapter number 8. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Therefore, because he's my high priest, therefore, because he's touched, that means he cares. Casting, the Bible says, your care upon him, for he careth for you. You see, I can, I can cast my care on him because I know he cares. He proved it when he died for me on the cross. And so he cares for me. And therefore, I can come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to tell you, I find myself in a time of need on a constant basis. Seeking wisdom, seeking discernment about what to do, trying to help people who are having a hard time. I need the grace of God. I need the grace of God to fill me so that I can be a minister for him. I need the grace of God to fill me so I can be a husband, so I can be a father. I need the grace of God to, to help me that when my neighbors are wondering, hey, what's going on in this world? I need the grace of God to, to be able to speak to them. And not to, not to conform to the thought of the world, but to be ready, as, as Peter said, to have an answer concerning the hope that lieth within me. I've got hope. And so I need God's grace to fill me, and so do you. Well, how do I obtain that grace? I obtain it in the presence of God when I fall on my knees and I pray. He says that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. I need mercy. Mercy is withholding from me what I deserve. I want to tell you, I know what I deserve because I know who I am. And I hope you know who you are. And if you know who he is and you know who you are, you understand how much mercy you need on a daily basis. And I'm grateful for the promises of God. This is that his mercy endureth forever. His mercies are new every morning, and I need them. 
And so I can come into the presence of God and I can pray. He cares for me. He is my high priest. He's my intercessor. And I can speak to him. I come into the throne room of God. I come into the presence of God and I offer my prayers and my supplications with thanksgiving. It's hard to be thankful for some things, isn't it? As I was speaking a moment ago concerning the psalmist, he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. This was his conclusion. It was good for me. It was good for me to go through that trouble. Have you been through any trouble in your life and you said, boy, at the moment, Lord, I didn't recognize what that was all about, but now I see how good that was for me. Anybody beside me you tonight? You know that's true in your life? Oh, I know it's true in mine. There are things that I would have never chosen for myself to go through. Difficulties. But God chose them. And what God did in my heart through those things, I wouldn't exchange it for anything. You see, we learn more in difficulty and in trial than we do in ease. Now, again, Praying for peace doesn't mean all the difficulties leave us. Praying for peace is praying for God's mercy and grace to keep our hearts and minds in the midst of the difficulties. So he says, be thankful with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. What is it that you need? Tell him. Now, I find it interesting in Matthew chapter number six and Matthew chapter number seven that the Lord Jesus says, your heavenly father knows. He knoweth that you have needed these things. And so we, we can understand that he knows already what we're going to ask for. He knows already what we need. Now, sometimes we ask for things that we don't need. James addressed that. You ask amiss, he said, that you might consume it upon your lust. You're asking outside of the will of God. That's why Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Ask speaks of my desire. Seeking is seeking God's will in discernment. So desire, ask, seek, discernment, knock, determination. There are a lot of times I say, Lord, I, I think I need this but I'm really not, I mean, it, I might pray at one time. Am I serious about it if I only ask one time? You have children, right? If they want something, do they only ask one time? They have a way of almost in a melodious tone putting a song in your head, can I, 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 can I. In my house, it's mom. Mom, mom, every once in a while, dad, and I say yes, and they say, where's mom? <laughs> I mean, they're determined. And, and, and you, can, you can tell how serious someone is by how persistent they are. That's the point, right? He came to the neighbor late at night. 
I'm in the bed, the man said. Leave me alone. What do you need? I have, an, I have a friend who's come, and I have no bread to set before him. I'm in the bed. I need some bread. Well, the Bible says because of his importunity, rather, because of his importunity, he will arise and give it to him. You see, that's his persistence. So we're praying if we want peace, if we want to maintain peace, if we want sanity in a world that is anything but sane, we must learn to pray. I'm preaching to myself because I need it more than anybody. Now he says, let your requests be made known unto God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Have you ever witnessed somebody going through a terrible time and you've seen the grace of God and the peace of God hold them up in an amazing way? And you stand there and you look at the situation and you look at them and it is evident to you that God has done a work in their life. That's what the Lord said he would do. If we pray and we have the privilege, the blood-bought privilege to enter into his throne of grace. So if I am here in my office or you are there in your place of business or at your place of employment or in the home, sitting at the kitchen table, trying to look at the finances for the month and trying to figure out how you're going to get through it. Or if you get a touch of something and you think, uh-oh, here we go. How do you keep peace? You pray. You pray. And may God keep us on our knees. What a privilege it is talk to the Lord you see he knows what we need right but he still invites us to pray and really it's praying is not about getting what I want prayer is about communing with God and learning what he wants for me the second thing along the pathway to peace is ponder Ponder. It means to think. It means to meditate. Notice in verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, if you're a Christian and you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, your soul belongs to him. This body, this earthly tabernacle is going to dissolve. The outward man is perishing. But the inward man is renewed day by day. Your soul belongs to him. You cannot lose that. But while we live in this flesh, while we live in this earth, though we are redeemed, though we are saved, we're saved from the penalty of sin. And, and we are saved from the, the power of sin. 
But I also understand that to live in that victory that Christ has afforded for me over sin, that I have to learn to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I have to learn to, to submit myself to him and, and, and to depend upon him fully. And as I do that, then I can experience that victory. But the problem is that there's a part of me that is not redeemed. It is a part of me that is dying and decaying, and it is not regenerate. It is the part of me that Paul lists in Romans 7 that says, I want to do right, but mm, I got a problem with that. And I don't want to do the wrong thing, and I know not to do it, but I do it. And we all identify with that. So the devil can't have my soul, but I'm going to tell you the arena of the battle in our lives, especially in this area of peace, is right here. It's the mind, right? It's the mind. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I have a challenge. I have to fix my mind. And that's a struggle for me, and it's a struggle for you. How are we thinking? What we put into our mind what we expose ourselves to, that affects the way we think. And the Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Don't think like this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. How do I have my mind renewed? I talk to God. And I let him speak to me. And I let him correct my thinking. I let him change the way I look at things. You see, the word of God is, is the expression of God's thoughts, his mind. And when I read it, I hear his voice. He's communicating to me how to think. And the more time I spend with him in prayer, and the more time I spend with him in his word, then the thoughts of God become my thoughts. And I begin to see things from a different perspective. Romans 8, chapter 6 is for to be carnally minded. That's the natural mind. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, I have to be spiritually minded. I have to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3, there's a great passage of Scripture in, in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So here we find the battlefield in the life of the Christian. It's in the mind. And here we find how the Lord teaches us in his word to win the battle. Now, he's already won the battle, but day in and day out, I'm fighting it. 
And if I'm not looking to him and I'm relying upon my flesh, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, every once in a while, I'm going to suffer some setbacks. But I can live in victory. And so here's how we do it. We recognize we, we walk in the flesh, but we don't war in the flesh. We recognize the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What does Satan do? He wants to erect a stronghold in the mind of believers. Have you ever met a Christian who thinks a certain way and it's, it's anything but biblical? It's anything but the way God intends? In fact, we get that way, don't we? Yes. Certain attitudes, certain behaviors, certain opinions, uh, those things can come out of us. Satan delights in building a stronghold. Then he says, casting down imaginations. What is an imagination? It's what we come up with in our mind. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Where do we keep knowledge? In our mind. And bringing into captivity every thought. Where do the thoughts proceed from? Well, Jesus said out of the heart, out of the mind. Okay. So, here I'm learning I have to correct my thinking. And here's how we do it, or a recipe for it, right? Now, this causes me to have to be proactive. Okay. My wife has recipes. If she follows the recipe and puts the ingredients in, she gets the desired product. If she doesn't follow the recipe, maybe she doesn't have all the ingredients. And sometimes she can substitute some, and, and that works out. Uh, but sometimes it may not, right? Recently she made something and said, I didn't have this, and it's not as good, and it's always great to me. <laughs> always. But if I were making it, I would have to follow the recipe. God has given us the recipe for peaceful minds. Now, here they are. Notice what he says here in Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, what's the next word? True. <laughs> whatsoever things are, well, I'm really, I'm trying to be patient with this crowd tonight. Whatsoever things are true, let's start over. Verse 8, Philippians 4. Are you guys all right? Very good. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, what's the first word? Whatsoever things are. Whatsoever things are. Whatsoever things are. Whatsoever things are. Whatsoever things are of. You seen any of that on television lately? The billboard, I don't even know if they use billboard top 40 or whatever. The billboard top 40, anything, anything with that in it? No. No. It's not on Facebook. It's not on Twitter. It's not on Instagram. It's not on Hulu or whatever else you subscribe to. There's only one place to find it. It's in the Word of God. 
And so if we're going to change the way we think in order that the outcome is peace, then we have to change the things that we're thinking about. And in order to think the, to change the things I'm thinking about, I've got to get rid of the dirt and I've got to bring in what's pure. So he says, whatsoever things are true, true. Is, is that important today to think on the things that are true? Especially in light of the fact that we have a media that has proven over and over again that they cannot be trusted. When we have conflicting reports from day to day, does, does, does it help to do this? No. Does it help to do this? Oh, yes. Well, it, three weeks ago you were supposed to do this, but today you're not supposed to do this. The trend of the curve is going down. Wait a minute, no, things are getting worse, and it's going up. Everybody's looking at the same data, the same set of facts, but people are interpreting it differently. And when you have a conversation with five people, that conversation can go in five different directions. Well, I heard this. Well, I heard the other. You see, and, 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 and how do you make sense of all that? And how, and, and how do you deal with all of this inconsistency? How do, you, how do you deal with all of these? I mean, it all can't be true, right? And I'm not just talking about a virus. I'm talking about lots of things going on in our world today. So when you have an enormous avalanche of information that cannot be trusted and that is disrupting you and that's all you think about, you're not going to have peace. So when you can't trust what you're hearing from the world, then you better go to the place where you can trust what you're going to hear and that's from the word of God. We need to get back to the Bible. Hannity might be right. Tucker might be right. But they're not as right as this. What you read in the Hickory Data Record might be right. It might be wrong. But this is truth. Whatsoever things are true. You say, Pastor, what do I do with When I got all these thoughts in my head, I'm going to tell you what you do. You go back to what you know, and what you know is that God's word is true. And he's promised to take care of us, and he's promised to lead us through. And if we do happen to get sick, and if our health does deteriorate, and if we do die, and one day we all will, guess where we're going? To heaven. And you won't be sorry when you get there. You'll be glad. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, this means venerable. This means reverend, revered. But we don't hear a lot of that today. 
People don't treat one another with respect. People don't look at God's word with respect and reverence. Think on those things. Whatsoever things are just, that which is right. It speaks of our duty according to God's order. We've been told to accept a, 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 an avalanche of lies. We've been told that the divine order that God has created, that is in nature, that is in the conscience of every human being, we've been told that it is all wrong and we're to accept a new form of morality, a new form of identity. And people are seeking to get outside of God's order. They want to escape the duty that has been divinely given to them as men, as women, as children, as government leaders, not willing to fulfill their duty, their responsibility. They don't want to do that which is right. But we need to think about what's right. And we know what's right. Because God's programmed it in here and God has recorded it here. And we have the Holy Spirit of God now living in us. Think about what we need to do, what we should do. Whatsoever things are pure. That means innocent, blameless. Our world is a dirty world. We're all affected by it. Dirty language. Dirty things. Our kids live in the reality of that. And it's not good enough to say, don't do that today. There's every avenue that you could possibly imagine to expose them to that. And so we have to teach them. And when they mess up, aren't you glad they can go to God? Just like you and be cleansed. By the way, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Whatsoever things are pure. I need to think about what's pure. If all I do is fill myself, my mind with what's dirty, I'm not going to behave the way I ought to, and I'm not going to have peace when I don't behave. I'm going to be disrupted. There's going to be an internal storm in me. Whatsoever things are lovely, that's acceptable. That's pleasing. Think about the good things. You know, my mind is, I'm so, I, I'm, I'm, I, I got problems. You got to pray for me. I like to think about everything that's wrong. But I'm glad I got some people around here to tell me what's right. We, we tend to see all the dirt on the floor and, and not see what's clean in the cupboards. And so we need to think about the things that are good, the things that are lovely. We think about what's wrong in the world. Let's think about what's right. And everything that's right, every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, cometh down from the Father of lights. What brightens my day right now more than anything besides my beautiful wife and my lovely mother? I go home and I see Bennett and Baylor and my kids in that order. No, I'm just kidding. 
I see that blonde hair and that fair skin and those blue eyes and that big smile and that little tone he talks in, and it just makes it okay. Think about that. Think about what God has done for you. Think about the blessings. Whatsoever things are of good report, that's well spoken of and praiseworthy. You know, we have a tendency, and I do too, and, and, and my children could tell you this, but please don't ask them. I have a tendency to want to say, hey, you know, that's not right. You need to fix that. No, no, you need to take care of that. No, you're going to, you're going to, okay. That, that, that's overbearing. That's, that doesn't breathe life. That, that's discouraging. What we need to do is, we need to say something encouraging to one another. You know? We, we, need, to, we need to find something good to say. By the way, it would help our kids to hear us say some things good about one another. You know? Instead of hearing mom and dad talk about all the things they don't like about whatever it may be to talk about the things that they do like. You've got an entire generation of kids that grew up in, in Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches that don't want anything to do with it anymore. Do you think somewhere along the way, maybe it was because they heard too much conversation? It certainly had to be a contributing factor. And so we need to be careful about what we say, what we report and make sure that we talk about the good things, not just about the bad things. And these things, as we think on these things, notice what he says in the close of verse 8. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think about it. Do you want to be a person who is living in peace? then learn to change the way you think and think the way God has instructed us. So the, the pathway to peace, number one, pray. Number two, ponder. Here's the last thing, and I'll just close here. Pursue. Pursue it. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 14, seek peace and pursue it. In other words, I've got to go after peace. That means I've got to be intentional about my prayer life. It means I've got to be intentional about my thinking. It means I have to learn to get into the word of God. Let me read this for you. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I got to fill my heart and mind with God's word. You see, this is, this is intentional. This is a pursuit. 
Ephesians 4.3, endeavoring, he says, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, Colossians 3.14 to 17 is in the context of the assembly, the local church, okay? And Ephesians 4 is in the context of the church. There is nothing that displeases God more than to see disruption and war in the church. And churches across the country have, have experienced that greatly, and it's hindered the testimony and cause of Christ. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. That's what we're doing here. That's what we do on Sunday with Sunday school. That's what Brother Brown's doing with the teenagers right now. That's what Brother Dan's doing with the college group right now. That's what Brother Fernando and the Spanish ministry are meeting and doing right now. They're teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. That's why we sing. And so if we're going to have peace, we have to be intentional. We have to pursue it. If it be possible, Romans 12, 18, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. What, what is the hallmark of what's happening in our world? Is there much peace out there? I have to live in peace. And God intends for me to live in peace. And he intends for you to live in peace. And so the only way we can do it is get on the path. Prayer pondering, and pursuing. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.